Welcome back, folks, to Two Bits, One Puck. I'm your host, Mr. Intangibles, a man who goes on holiday, Dan Masters, with my good friend, a man who likes to read the rule book, and a man who doesn't like the fact I go on holiday. Well, Everett, well, how are you? Uh, very well, naturally quite pissed off that you've had another little mini break. Mini break. Even more pissed off at the fact that you won't acknowledge that it's a holiday. <laughs> it's not a holiday, it's a mini break. They're it's different a, things. Mate, mini break is it's a small holiday. Like, um, so if you if you've got if you say you got a pack of Rolos, yeah, yeah, take out one Rolo, that's a Rolo, yeah, yeah. Got a bag of mini Rolos, take out a mini Rolo, it's still a Rolo, it's just smaller. Nah, that doesn't work. Yeah, it does. I, I don't. I, no, I'm not. Right, that. Right. Here, to me, here you go. Here, here you go. go, no, on, right, go right, I've got it for you. I've got it for you. Go so on. you you're making a sandwich, yeah? Oh God, don't don't get me started on this. Go on. Here you go, making a sandwich. So you have got your big fat loaf of bread, unsliced. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of slicing it normally, you slice it like horizontally, so you end up with these tonk slices. Yeah. Like a loaf's worth of slice. Yeah. Make a sandwich out of it. Yeah. That's a sandwich. Yeah, yeah, that's a sandwich. And if you make it with a regular sized piece of bread, it's still a sandwich. I, I do see what you're saying, but then, but <laughs> yeah, but then, I like to but. think of, I like to think of it as you can have a sandwich and a butty. Essentially, they are the same thing. Yet a sandwich is prepared, and a butty is thrown together. The ingredient you can have a ham sandwich. And a ham butty. Right. It's all the no, same no. ingredients, but it is kind of different. <laughs> a holiday to me is you go abroad, you go you go mm. lie in the sun. A mini break is we'll go somewhere for a day and a half, two days, see a few sights, that kind of thing. That's that's how I see it's, it. It's still fundamentally the same thing, isn't it? I agree. I agree it is fundamentally the same thing, but at the same time, it also isn't. Right, you've done really well in distracting me from this argument on holidays. <laughs> what what do you what do you mean a butty and a sandwich? Do you have butties down south? Um, Is that a thing? Well yeah, you have like you have like a chip butty or a bacon butty, but it's just a just a term for it, isn't it? Right, no. A sandwich is prepared. Okay, so a sandwich. Sa- be... <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? Listen, what do you mean prepared? Let me explain. For like you. Let me explain. You sit out like right Thursday night at five past eight. I'm gonna make a sandwich. No, a sandwich takes time, and effort, and care. You prepare a sandwich. A butty is just thrown together. I've got two slices of bread. Here are some chips. Voila, chip butty. Whereas sandwich is, oh, I'll have some ham, a bit of lettuce. I'll throw some tomato on there. Well, a bit of pepper will do well as well. And I'll cut this. I'll put the two slices. I'll cut them. Maybe put it on a plate. A butty is just given to you in your hand. Eat it now. Go. That's that's the difference between a sandwich and a butty. A butty is thrown together. But then what's a sarni then? Sarni is just a shortened name for a sandwich. A sarni and a sandwich are the same thing. This is because if you said like if you say do you want a bacon sarni, well then I'm gonna have to fight you because that's insane. It's, it's a bacon butty. It fascinates me that that you people up there don't have running water yet you've got. <laughs> Such <laughs> advanced sections of your society in a, in the sandwich department. Oh, it's um, so, dude, perplexing. Like, yeah, in in the north, we have all the we have all the fancy stats for sandwiches. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Proper like sabermetrics <laughs> on sandwiches. The, the analytics revolution for sandwiches involving involving at one point a discussion between me and my friends in the is a Findus crispy pancake a sandwich technically. 
<laughs> is that like a like a cheeseburger puff? No, it's. Let's not get into this. <laughs> what's the What's the Finder's crispy pancake? Is it like a like a like a pre-filled sort of thing? It's like a pre. It's it's like a pre-filled small pizza that's rolled over, but it's covered in. But it has a filling, usually like minced yeah, like, beef and onion, but oh my. and then covered in breadcrumbs, but they're frozen. So you usually get them from Iceland, oh, and you just stick them in the oven for yeah, like yeah, twenty yeah. minutes, and th- there you go. But then, by that logic, is a is a pasty a sandwich? Yeah, and this is the whole. This is what I'm talking about. See, already you understand. Well done. <laughs> yeah, but but then then there's not much of an argument because a pasty ain't a sandwich. So a, a crispy crispy whatever it is isn't a sandwich. Yeah, but again, this is the North Will. When we go into technicalities about sandwiches, it it gets very tricky. And I mean, we just don't have the time to go into that right now. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be gonna be on um on the sister podcast two brits one buddy <laughs> yeah exactly two butties one sandwich all right <laughs> i do have a quick question that does that does relate to hockey it, I, was, I was gonna say i have nothing to do with sandwiches no 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 i do have a quick question that but this does relate to hockey have you seen the latest season of last chance you on netflix i have seen um 15 minutes of the first episode of the first season of Last Chance You. Okay, fair enough. If you haven't so seen I'm, it... I'm what we in the business would call an expert, yeah. Dad, on Last Chance You. If you've not seen it, it is basically a show about a junior college programme in America and they take on junior college football players who've had either problems with the law or drug problems, um, arrests, all that kind of thing. And they take them in because it's this kid's last chance to try and graduate or get a job, or get a scholarship at a decent college, under the premise of well, if you can't make it here, you are done, and that's it. It's the end of your even at this stage burgeoning career. Now, and it's it's generally it's, it's based around the prowess as football players. This isn't like a charity to any old you know criminal in no. like the deep south or whatever. Yes, you, know, these... you can't throw catch or block you're uh, you're a bit useless yeah these players only get these players only even get a second chance because they're very good players and like some of them are elite at their position but they fucked up so bad in their personal life that colleges don't want to touch them so they kind of go to this other college to try and get a bit of a redemption going and to learn about themselves more anyway season four dealt with all these fabulous junior college players this team was meant to be amazing they win one game all season and they're an absolute joke it was an absolute, I mean, just an absolute tire fire of epic proportions. But it showed Christ. what it showed what these kids go through with injuries and things like that. And that even at a young age, like concussion and sort of, you know, just like coaches being like, just get up, just carry on, you'll be fine. Just get up and carry on. I mean, guys are lying on the floor saying, I don't think I can, I don't think I can feel my leg. I, my leg feels funny. I don't, I don't think I can. And the trainer's going, he can't feel his leg. And the coach is just like, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And it just reminded me so much of concussion. It got me thinking about concussion protocols and how that everyone talks about concussion protocol and this is where it links to hockey and how important it is and, oh yeah, we're taking it very seriously. But concussion protocol only matters until it's an important game or it's a good player who has is having problems. And I, after the... Obviously, the media day after the cup final, I was just thinking about this because Jake DeBrusque said he got concussed in the first round against the Leafs, and didn't miss any didn't miss any games at all, and it just 
it just came flooding back to me watching Last Chance U that they just they just don't care. Players, coaches, nobody cares. As you know, if you're an import, if you're a four flying scrub, well, you better go into concussion protocol. But if you're a top six forward or a top four D man or starting goalie, yeah, you'd be fine. Just just get out there, and it just it just brought it but all back he, to me. Even if you're like a fringe player lower down the lineup, though, like you you aren't going into concussion protocol, are you? No, because exactly. if you if you go in and you come out with a concussion, see you later, bro. You know what I mean? Back to the AHL with you. That's uh, thanks for thanks for your service. Thanks for your four minutes. That's uh, that's that. Exactly. And I, I wonder with whether Jake DeBrus got like a slap on the wrist for admitting he was concussed, and that especially where like yeah, it's so blatant that he didn't miss any time for it, and obviously didn't get the treatment that you'd expect him to get in this day and age. I know. So I wonder if like you know Cassidy or um, or Sweeney or Neely had a little word with old Jakey boy. I don't know if I don't even know if the if the league had a word with the Bruins or not because it was, I mean it was released via them. He didn't come mm. out. I mean maybe he did it. I don't know because I, I, oh, I only saw it. Must it. have been in a scrum or something. Yeah, maybe sure. I only saw it from their release and maybe they have done. It was just insane looking at these kids. I mean, some one kid got into a massive fight with his teammates. I mean, sure. I mean, just pure rage, and he was crying and he had to calm him down. And the next day he was like, "Yeah, I don't remember any of that." I'm thinking, God, dude, you're Jesus. like nineteen or twenty. I was thinking, fucking hell. I know we've talked about well, it. A did, lot, didn't but... remember it because he was what was he mashed or yeah? Because he yeah, he just he'd been he'd been hit. He'd taken a blindside hit and he didn't remember it. He didn't remember a thing. Jeez. And his honestly, his mood just changed in an instant. He went, he just went yeah. psycho on his teammates and was shouting at them and like, I don't need this shit and I don't need to be here and all this kind of thing. And I just, I just kept thinking about, I don't know why, but I just kept then thinking about junior hockey players just taking repeated hits, not mm. even headshots, you know. Just repeated checks and you know getting smushed into the boards and and things like that and it's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's horrendous. It's like yeah, there's there's no two ways about it. Like it's a ridiculously dangerous sport. Yeah, you know, we take it for granted because because people aren't dying out there. People aren't going off with broken bones or like you know visible tangible injuries like every shift. But it's the the term war of attrition is thrown around a lot, but like. It doesn't necessarily get the weight that it should, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, then. Should we, uh, should we start the show? <laughs> supposed to be better than bloody hell. bounce around the world. I didn't have much info on the league I chose this week, but the Indian Ice Hockey Championships is making progress because it is the main sport played in the Himalayan regions of the country, which I found kind of fascinating because I forget sometimes that these countries are so massive that they they essentially have their their own microclimates. So obviously the southern India is ridiculously boilingly hot. And then as you get towards the Himalayas, obviously it's going to be freezing cold. So yeah, of course they play ice hockey there. The official league either doesn't have the data sort of sent out properly or Wikipedia doesn't, which I usually check for this. But it did give me some of the champions. And as usual, the team names are amazing. So we've got the Jammu and Kashmir blue team, 
which is great. <laughs> yep, as you do. Which is, I, I immediately then thought, well, there must be a Jammer and Kashmir red team, but there isn't. And I feel like there's a, <laughs> there's a built-in rivalry there straight away. There's a team called the Indian Army, which seems a bit cheaty, in my opinion. And then there's the Indo-Tibetan Border Police, which is <laughs> another just fabulous. And I love the idea that these aren't like, yeah, it's not the Army's hockey team or the Border Police's hockey team. They're just the names they've given these random like, average teams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, yeah, we're the Border Police. Watch <laughs> out. I just imagine a team in the UK being like, you know, we're the Manchester Space Programmes or something like that. It's just, <laughs> what sounds cool? The <laughs> Army. <laughs> yeah, we'll be the Indian Army. There you go. We're the Edinburgh Met Police. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're the Scotland Old Scotland Yards. <laughs> Old Scotland Yards. Well, there you go. The, the, uh, the Indian Ice Hockey Championships. I like it. I like it. I'm uh, My league this week is in, I don't know what you'd, probably call a slightly more traditional part of the world. Uh, I'm focusing in on the Beauty League. I don't know if you've heard much about the Beauty League, Dan. The Beauty League? Please, please enlighten me. The Beauty me. League. I feel, I, feel like, uh, I feel like every man and his dog has now, but uh, but it's worth worth shouting out. So the, the Beauty League is like a pseudo-professional amateur summer league playing in, uh, in Minnesota. It's been going since 2015. I, d- I don't know if John Scott started it or had any involvement in it but he's like the honorary commissioner yes yeah I, that's how i so, heard of it i'd only heard of it because of him yeah yeah it, it's it markets itself as the premier summer league in uh, in north america it's got you know nhl players ahl players college players um anyone who's got some links to minnesota in some way shape or form uh are playing there over the summer it's played four and four uh, six teams all sponsored by local companies and stuff and they they sell tickets for charity uh, the charities they, they raise money for is the United Heroes League, uh, uh, various sports leagues for um, uh, children in military families. Shine a Light, I don't know if it's Shine a Light or Shine a Light 7, but it's Paul Martin's charity. And then there's a Herb Brooks Foundation. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. It seems, you know, they, they live stream their games on the internet for free. It's just a cool way to watch NHL players in, um, in the summer. And uh, they've definitely sorted out the NHL's problem with offence as Brock Besser is leading the league this year in nine games he has 16 goals and 34 points <laughs> so I think they're doing alright are they playing in footy nets as well is that why mm. <laughs> yeah they are They are. The, the, the key to solving the NHL's uh, scoring issues is to clearly just play 4-4 four and four in the summer when everyone's half cut and uh, not have any check in so that's all we need boys come on Gary let's, let's get it going yeah, gas, gas should be all over that, shouldn't he? Just a way to make more money. You'd have thought so. You'd have thought so. I think the problem is there's definitely something in the CBA to say you can only have like two beers before a game, and that's I think that's where we'd uh, where we'd fall uh, fall by the wayside, unfortunately. Yeah, because in the in the NHL CBA it's three beers and four lines of coke, and I feel in the beauty league they just go even they go way past that. So oh, yeah, just it's, it's, it's taking taking a piss really, that's taking a, a piss. For not hockey news, I am going to avoid talking about politics because fuck my life. I, I can't. Just so we'll leave that there. It's it's over. Yeah, it's over. It's over. I I well, see. I've, I did just make a point on Twitter, and in that I feel that this is our punishment for laughing at America for having Trump. And I feel that this. Oh is, yeah, without yeah, a doubt. This is just karma biting me in my rear my uh, my rear end again. 
I mean, yeah, I try. But whenever I'm whenever I'm preparing for not hockey news every week, I think, what have I heard in the news today? Ah, well, I can't talk about that. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> can't talk about any of that. Something I'm going to talk about. Well, we're going to be supremely British for my section of not hockey news, in, and I want to discuss the weather, which has finally gone. And I'm pretty sure the scientific term is tits up, as I was in Wales late last week on a mini break, hashtag mini break. On the first day, it was 30 degrees and ball sweatingly atrocious. We went up, there's a cable. Sorry, in, in North Wales, right? Yes, we're in Landudno and there's a cable car system there that you can go on. So essentially, we're in 30 degree weather with no shade stood on top of a mountain, which was some would say stupid decision and, and, and I would agree with them. The next I mean... day. It was 20 degrees and windy as all hell, blowing wigs off and all kinds of things like that. And then the following day, when we went home, it rained for 16 hours straight. Within three days, we'd run the gamut of all insane variations of, of crazy weather. And there was a, a thing in New York as well where one of the days last week, in one part of New York, it was sunny and everyone was out sunbathing. And then a few miles away, they had a crazy flood. That literally flood, uh, it flooded, flooded Brooklyn, and this is within, you know, sort of like seven or eight miles. So, yes, nice. we're we're fucked essentially. Have, have you seen that photo that's been doing rounds of the um, is it the f- weather in France? The French thing, yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. So good for for the uninitiated. There's it's this photo comparing side by side two different weather reports in France. On the top is is like a falsified weather report from a documentary from a few years ago saying yeah if we don't do something about climate change this is what our weather reports in france will look like in 2050 2050 uh, and that had you know like 39 degrees 40 degrees all around the country sort of thing and then below it was a genuine weather report from this past week and all of the temperatures were higher than in the uh, falsified yeah scare tactics one and it's just I'd, I'd say it's beautiful, but it's it's not. It's horrendous. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's, it's uh, it, it rained absolutely. It, it rained absolutely insanely here all day today, and I'm now driving through legitimate lakes on the way to work. I feel that's nice. Have you got one of those cars that turns it like a um, an amphibious? Yeah, I need car. like a James Bond. Yeah, I need a James Bond car. Essentially, that would be the new thing. Everyone's talking about electric cars, which. Seems crazy in this day and age. We need to be talking about car boats or boat cars because I think that's what we're going to need. Yeah, we're well past past the point of electric cars. For sure, you just need kayaks and wheels. <laughs> just a kayak. Just I'm just going to kayak to work. Fucking oh, you know, hell! What a mess. This uh, this past week has been celebrating Tony Hawk Week, <laughs> yeah. which is just beautiful. What more could you want? This is a, an initiative started by. Um, I suppose you call them a company called The Barracks. It's a um, a skate park in in Los Angeles. For those who, who are in the know, it's a very famous and popular one run by by pro skateboarders Steve Bearer and Eric Coston. They just had this big initiative to to celebrate Tony Hawk. Really, just celebrate everything that he's done for for not only skateboarding but youth culture worldwide. Worldwide, and it uh, it culminated in I want to say is he fifty one now, fifty two. Tony Hawk, however old he is, old as balls Tony Hawk, uh, (laughs) releasing his first, 51, his first street skateboarding video part, 
in in over 20 years 20 30 years and uh yeah it was cool to see for for those of us who grew up with you know the video games and, and any involvement in skateboarding whatsoever it's nice to just have a bit of a celebration of the birdman and everything that he's done for many people around the world it is crazy to think i mean there are some people who just they own their sport essentially i know a couple of other skateboarders but you you ask a hundred people in the street, can you name a famous person who skateboards? The answer is either no or Tony Hawk. It's as simple as that. There's no other. There's really no other option. Yeah, and it's without a doubt. And and those those video games have done even even people who aren't even slightly interested in skateboarding outside of the video games. Like I know it's a bit of a bit of a tried trope now, but the soundtracks of those games for for so many people. Oh God, yeah, just just influenced you and and it's not yeah it's not just like oh yeah i got into punk music i got into metal music or whatever through those like you know there's there's funk in there there's hip-hop there's just anything and everything you can get classic rock and stuff like chances are take anyone out of a crowd give them you know the cumulative track listing for all the tony hawks games and they'll be able to name you know say oh i'd love that song for at least like 10 percent of it Absolutely, absolutely. That was one of my, uh, yeah, one of my games growing up. There's just you just get it on, get the soundtrack blasted up, just have a great time with your mates. It was just and you just 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 yeah, just amazing, just amazing memories with that game. Mental, and that geezer made a fuck ton of money out of uh, out of a child's toy. Yeah, you're right. What a bastard. <laughs> Ab- absolute bastard. Why do we like it's, him? It's again? really dead. <laughs> there's a there's a skateboarding podcast called the nine club every it's, it's a bit of a rolling joke every time they have someone like they interview skateboarders obviously every time they have someone who was on one of the tony hawks games especially like the ones who are on the first ones like you know, one and two the ones that sold ridiculous numbers there's always like so how much did you make out of the game and every single time anyone who anyone who actually answers it's just like 15 million dollars just from being in the game and stuff like that it's just really, that's insane that's insane it's loopy it's loopy yeah shout out Tony Hawk what a guy close but not quite how many have you got I've got a pair okay you go first then Uh, first I've got Anti Miko Niemi a uh, (laughs) Finnish goalkeeper Uh, not the Chicago Blackhawks San Jose Sharks Montreal Canadiens legend no this is the real Anti Niemi who uh, is a football goalie former football goalie suited up for some uh, sterling clubs such as uh, FC bad, Copenhagen and one very bad one but go on well you've you've buried the lead now yeah because I knew what you were going to do Rangers you played for Rangers Dan you yeah. played for Rangers and the most beautiful thing about the the Rangers tenure with uh, Antiniemi that I, I never knew he's arguably the best Finnish footballer that's ever played do you think that's fair to say Oh no, Sammy Hupier, probably. No, yeah. Yari, Yari anyway. Littmanen is the best Finnish footballer. But that's probably before Who, your time. Never heard. Yeah. Never Yari Littmanen is probably the best Finnish. But that's before your time, but anyway. Who? Yari Littmanen, Pele, Eusebio, never heard of him. <laughs> so, Anthony Niemi at Rangers wore number 13. He's the only player to have ever worn the number 13 for the club, uh, which is impressive in itself. That's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, how many appearances did he make for Rangers, Dan? Is it 13? It's 13. Isn't that just freaky? Anyway. <laughs> and, oh, and he also, he also uh, played for Southampton and Portsmouth, which is so he clearly um, he's actually a bit of an arsehole, it would appear. 
I'm sure we discussed Anthony Niemi on one of our first ever shows. That sounds about you, right. Because you hadn't heard of him. And no, I'd like made, I'd heard of him, but not heard of him. You know. Yeah, what I, mean? I, I made a joke about Anthony Niemi being a, a bit the two being Anthony Niemi goalies, and you went, "Is there?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Oh wow, who's he play for?" And I said, "Southampton." And you went, "Oh, you mean in footy?" <laughs> I said, "Yes." And I think. <laughs> oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it was reason. It was reason my friend had a very very tenuous link to oh my god who was Niemi playing for at the time I think yeah every year because he was a Southampton fan so every year Niemi changed his hockey team he went to that hockey team so I'm just I'm just following Ganton Niemi I don't care about the team I'm just I'm following Ganton Niemi around whichever team he plays for that's my team and I was like oh, okay fair enough <laughs> that's beautiful Brian O'Reilly is a <laughs> is a <laughs> is a London based Reba chartered architect who has his own design studio. Established in 2004, they consider every new project as a fresh challenge, tailored to a specific context, requirements of the client, site conditions, and budget. And I feel that both Brian and his namesake, Ryan O'Reilly, share a common ground, as they are both proficient in engineering. Brian, in obviously using engineering to build plans, and Ryan, who engineered a move away from Buffalo and then won a Stanley Cup. Hey. There you go. So shout out to a shout out to Brian O'Reilly. Very, very, very good. Very good. Thank you. I'm going to stay in Finland with my other uh, close but not quite this week. Sebastian Aho is a <laughs> recent. <laughs> not that one and not that one I was going to say I was going to say oh, that would have been genius that would have been genius was, if you'd just done the other one he's a hockey player was, you know <laughs> I was really hoping that there'd be like a third Sebastian Aho that played in Liga or something like yeah, that yeah I was going to say he's a second division right winger for, um, no, unfortunately this particular Sebastian Aho works for the Research Institute of Modelling and Measuring for the Built Environment oh, I love which it. is um you know, two two podcasts in a row that we've got some some twat of a job that I don't understand. A science a twat science boffin of some kind. Yeah, yeah. He's um he's got a nice little beard, pair of glasses, clearly likes a hat. Yeah, I mean there's not really he's not really populate populated his LinkedIn all that much. Oh, he speaks three languages, Finnish, English and Swedish. Shout out to you though, Seb- a third Sebastian Aho. Swimming just- in Sebastian Aho's. Which, yeah, Can't move for him. Yeah, there's a lot. I was going to say, we just need to keep finding Sebastian Ajo's every week. <laughs> this week, Sebastian Ajo is, and then fill in the blanks. <laughs> I think that'd be good. We could do, well, we've got another two weeks sorted, really, haven't we? That's a good point. Mitch Barner is an investigations manager looking for fraud. <laughs> what? That's not a name. <laughs> okay, Mitch, yeah. Mitch, uh, Mitch Barner. Mitch Barner is an investigations senior manager looking at fraud. He's currently based in the Tampa area, and his speciality oh. is certified anti-money laundering speciality. I don't know what that means. But that's his speciality is certified money laundering speciality. Yeah, that's what it says on his LinkedIn, so I went with it. He comes with <laughs> full university honours from East Carolina University, and... Oh. If he is a money specialist, I would hope that Mitch Barner doesn't look into agents' fees and their roles in client negotiations, because that might get tricky. So, shout out to you, Mitch Barner. Does a um, does a sound alike qualify as a conflict of interest? Yeah, maybe it does. 
I mean, potentially. Barna? This is Mitch Marna. No, sorry, we can't have that. It's too close. It's, that's, that's not him. That's, that's, why, that's why Brian O'Reilly could never design a house for Ryan O'Reilly. It's, it's not allowed. That'd be, yeah, it'd be, it'd be too much, really. It'd just be confusing, if nothing else. Yeah. Oh, here's a segue. Speaking of houses, do you fancy buying Kessel's house? Oh, who wouldn't want to buy <laughs> Phil Kessel's house? I just hope it. Uh, I hope it comes with everything inside. That little, you know, that little shrine type area. It's there's like, there's like a picture no, of I, him. I haven't. You've not seen his pictures. I haven't actually seen it. No, well, I've oh seen. My. I've seen the picture of his of his home theatre, but that's it. <laughs> the best, the best home theatre I've ever seen. All right. So Kessel's obviously selling his house. It's on the market for a cool two point one million dollars. Actually, I'm saying it's Phil's house, but I feel like. Can you class it as a house when there's like nothing in it? Is it more just a shell? You can buy a full shell. I mean, it's, it's still a house, Dan, but it's not a home. A, a fantastic point. A fantastic point. I, here's the thing: like Phil lives like a single man with a fuck ton of money. He's bought a massive house and then just put in it what he needs, which is essentially a big ass TV and a, and a comfy chair. <laughs> yeah, he's he's literally living like how I lived when I was twenty one. Yeah. He's living like how I would live now if I had loads of money. Like, the only reason my house is furnished is because my wife comes home and she's like, oh, I've got some nice cushions today. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, if I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't have anything in my house if, if I was single, apart from a big TV and a comfy chair and my PS4. That, that'd be it. Do, do you not feel like you've you've been slightly influenced, though? I feel like my... um. My taste has changed slightly since having having the, the female touch. Um, no, I don't think mine has. No. I, st- I still feel, yeah, I, I still feel that if, if I was single, this is exactly what I would do. And if I had that money, I'd do the same thing. I'd buy a huge house thinking, oh, this is cool, I've got a huge house, and then think, I don't really want to put anything in it because I'm not bothered about, I'm not bothered about decorations or trinkets or anything to make, <laughs> anything to make it look nice. This it's house so- is horrendous, isn't it? It's what, sorry? It's a bit horrendous. This is the thing. It's it's so amazing and so sad at the same time. Phil's house. I don't like his. I don't like his cabinets. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to do some decorating if I was going to move in. Do you not think though the cabinets are, are nasty? You see again. That's, like, that's the, the female touch. Definitely has definitely has got you because I was I, I would like yeah what cabinets? Okay, that's a room. I don't know, whatever. No, his kitchen cabinets are like bloody Yunnan's house. It's horrendous. They do. Did you see the? Uh, did you see his wine room? <laughs> With the bottles of Baileys. The space for like a thousand <laughs> bottles of wine, and he had like four bottles of Baileys in there. <laughs> I know he's got like. I, I think I can count about nine bottles of wine. <laughs> and then what's that thing in front of it? Is that like a bowling ball? Yeah, I was sure. I wasn't sure what that was. I can't. I can't tell what it is. I, I quite like um, I, I like it. I, I feel his um, his home office is a little bit sad as well as the, uh, <laughs> as, you know, as as sad as the the home theater. Yeah, it's just it's just a chair and a desk. You know, has never ever been sat at ever. Oh, never, never in a million years. And I like yeah. his um, his bathroom's nice. I'll give you that again. Not not much of a fan of the cabinets. <laughs> He's got about three different receptions. It's all very, like, it's very cold looking. I feel like it's a cold house. Yeah, because there's nothing in it. 
It's a shell. No, but even 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 without the things, like if, have you seen his ping pong room? <laughs> yeah, it's yes. just all like grey and stuff, isn't it? So have you seen have you is seen it... his shrine? Obviously, looking at the pictures now, have you seen his shrine type area? I still haven't. I don't quite know what you're on about. I'm so, just getting through it now. The mannequins. The website's trying to get me to. Oh, the man. Yeah, there you go. But what, what is? I was going to say is that. Yeah, what's up with the mannequins? I, 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 I get the feeling that's his. That's his team USA gear from the Winter Olympics. No, it is not. No, like no, no. I don't mean what, obviously what they, I don't mean what they wear on the ice. I mean like, you know, they no, get given free give stuff. Or, bloody hell! <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they get given free stuff or something. Like you're a team USA. Here's a team USA jacket or something like that. No, it, it, it looks like snowboarder gear. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's the Winter Olympics. Yeah, but they're all just dressed up like snowboarders. I mean, yeah. I can't say I've ever been to the Winter Olympics. You've not seen but... the opening ceremony. They don't come out in shorts and a vest, do they? It's fucking freezing. No, some... They come out in bobble hats and big jackets. Some sort of tracky, maybe. Yeah, but the boots as well. They've got like bloody Nazi, you know, <laughs> curb stomping boots. <laughs> let's not get. Oh god, let's not get into that. But that's that's weird. Good... There's a, yeah, there's a picture of himself that's been. It looks like he's commissioned someone to paint a picture of him in a weird kind of style. There's a team photograph that looks like I don't know. I couldn't maybe the penguins. I'm not sure. I don't know. Looks a bit like the blues from where I'm looking. Yeah, it could be. And then there's two mannequins, fully stood up, dressed in X. What to me looks like Team USA garb. Very peculiar, but it looks like that's in kind of a corner of a room somewhere. Very weird. Very weird. The thing that really stood out to me, like we'll, we'll go to the home theater because that's the that's the big. That's the pièce de résistance. The big, yeah, the, the big ticket. Oh yeah. What's it? What's with the bar thing? <laughs> I don't know. That's what I don't get. Like what? I don't, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I understand the whole single chair. Yeah, I, I get that, and it's, it's a nice little throw on the back. That's that's fine, but yeah, it's bar because it, it doesn't even look like it had it was a bar and they've stripped it out or anything like that. It just looks like, I, I mean, I don't know, like a half-height wall with a shelf on the top. Yeah, in the in 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 his if you've not seen it, it, just please find the picture because it, I, what I'm about to describe doesn't do it justice. But it's essentially, as Will says, it's a half-height wall with a shelf on the top. Then maybe fifteen foot in front of that is one chair, not like a really super big comfy lazy boy, just like a comfy chair. And then about twenty foot in front of that is a giant projection screen. That's it. <laughs> There's nothing else. The thing with this picture as well, I can't not see. You know, there's that poster on the wall that's like, I don't know, maybe tour dates or something. Oh, yeah. I can't not see it as like standing. You know when you get a menu at like a pub or whatever? <laughs> or like a bar. And it's in like the plastic stand thing. Yeah. I can, I, it's just that standing at the front of this bar thing. And it's it's drinks. I can't not see it. It's breaking my brain. Part of me feel part of me feels as well is that this house was fully furnished and looked lived in, and Phil was just thinking because this is Phil's sense of humour. He just thought, "Ah, oh, fuck it, let's do this. This will be funny, <laughs> and then people will get a kick out of it or something." Let's let's but, make uh, it really like like the museum to Phil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's just done it for I, he's just done it for a laugh. I really like how in the photo of the patio, showing all this really posh patio furniture and like, oh look at this really nice outdoor space. It's so obviously been raining really heavily recently. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, here's this nice patio space that you're never going to want to use. 
Because you're going to get piss wet through. <sighs> yeah, weird house. Weird house. Weird house. And he's still... And he is still an enigma. We still do not know much about <laughs> Phil Castle. I thought you were going to say he's still living there. Like, yeah, you can buy the house, but Phil's still going to be living there. <laughs> Still's got it as a base when they're playing when they're playing away at Pittsburgh. He just commutes. He's he's going to be one of those mannequins. <laughs> just come down one day, and Phil's just stood there in his Team USA garb. Morning, 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 eh? <laughs> nice one. Speaking of speaking of penguins. Chris Kunitz of the, you know the Sens were one goal away from being in the cup final pub quiz question fame, retires no. with his four Stanley Cup did rings. He, one with the did Ducks. he score that goal? That was yeah, Chris Kunitz scored that goal. Yeah, <gasps> what <a> dickhead! <laughs> if only he'd not scored it, we'd never have to hear about the Sens being one goal away from the cup final. I see. It's not even that. Like I'm glad that that happened because that sent us on the the wonderful. Um... True. Wonderful voyage that has been Ottawa Senators hockey over the last four <laughs> seasons. It's just like Chris Kunitz gets more airtime than any other middle six winger has ever gotten, and it it's just infuriating. Why don't we talk about Alex Killorn more? I know I know he's got like twenty five cups and scored all these goals, but like give a monkeys, you know what I mean? This it's is why this is why I included this. This is why I included this because. I, I knew somewhere in the back of my mind that you had somewhat of a thing about Chris Kunitz and the coverage he gets. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I have... here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. We talked about this with, oh, was it was it Henrik Zetterberg who got drafted in like the seventh round or something like that when he retired? Mm. Chris Kunitz, he, he goes undrafted. He gets picked up by the Ducks. He gets put on waivers. He gets picked up by the Thrashers, plays two games... Gets put on waivers again, goes back to the Ducks, wins a cup, and then from 2009 on, he then goes to play with Crosby. And I get it, it's Crosby, but forges an amazing partnership and then wins three more cups. It's a, it's a great story. It's a great story. And I admit, and we've said this before, you're not going to have many people, well, you probably will because you won four cups, but statistically... You're never going to say, okay, make me a top fifth. Chris Kunitz is never, ever going to be anywhere near it. But there should be points in the Hall of Fame that say, do not give up. Look at this guy. You know, he just kept getting knocked back, kept getting knocked back, kept plugging away, kept trying, found his right space, and then he made something of it. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Like, he'd he'd be in my version of the Hall of Fame, but only yeah. in the sense that, like, my version of the Hall of Fame would be just interesting it's like the whole of interest you know what I mean more than anything else yeah that's why I see it I, I kind of hope he gets into into the real hall of fame just because I don't know people get mad pissed off about it <laughs> here's the thing like, like, it, it, it'd you... be like jumping the shark you know what I mean with the hall of fame like it's just getting ridiculous but dude this, we've said this before there are people out there who will say he's won four Stanley Cups how can he not be in the hall of fame I mean, they raise a good point. He has won four Stanley Cups. You know, that's the ultimate. That's the and name uh, of the game. That's the name of and the an Olympic gold medal. Hockey is to uh, is you know get He's... to the big show and win it all, and he did it four times. That is impressive. Well, sorry, Christ. Okay. Um, 
yeah, he's extremely decorated. Do do excuse the uh, the hamster and the fucking wheel in the background, by the way. Have to be kidding me. Oh yeah. That's oh, what yeah. that is. <laughs> yeah, I'd 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 forgotten what it was until I looked over and was like, oh yes, yeah, fucking Francois. Shout out to Francois the hamster. Pick up Francois. Francois, how do you feel about Chris Kunitz? Oh, he's still running. He's not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he stopped running. Chris Kunitz in the Hall of Fame. Are you fucking kidding me? What? He's just looking at you. just eyeballing I've you. I've had enough. He's going on strike. <laughs> You're having a laugh, aren't you? Alex Morello, in purchasing a controlling interest in the Arizona Coyotes, becomes the NHL's first Hispanic majority owner. So I'm pretty sure we can expect the Austin Matthews rolling out for the Coyotes anytime soon, yeah? I mean, yeah, it's a reasonable thing to assume. It was yeah. it was going to happen eventually anyway. Now it's even more of an inevitability. Exactly. I mean, it's got, he, I mean, that's got to be his first move, right? I mean, just, you know, trade everything, get him there, get the whole Hispanic community buzzing over ice hockey. And there you go. Rob's your father's brother. He paid like $300 million for his 55% share, which... That's quite quite a lot for the Coyotes of all teams. <laughs> that's what I thought, yeah. Because their estimated value was about 250 and I was thinking, right, so that two fifty is for the whole team, and he's paid three hundred million for fifty five percent. So I don't know because I suppose to an extent, what what are the Seattle team paying a billion dollars? No, yeah, six six hundred, isn't it? Six hundred mil. Yeah, six hundred mil for a new franchise. So I suppose, in some ways, the uh, the current ownership of the Coyotes as a as a leg to stand on, say, look, we're an existing franchise, we've got a fan base, blah 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 blah. So yeah, I suppose the minimum you'd pay would be six hundred for the whole thing. Do you know? Have you seen what his business interests are outside of now owning an NHL franchise? Um, no, honestly, I didn't even know his name. I saw I saw his name on the run sheet and thought, "Who's that?" And I'm sure Dan will explain. <laughs> Fabulous. Yeah. Okay. His business interests include casino gaming, real estate, construction, engineering, hospitality, TV, radio, food services. And private equity. Doesn't that cover the whole world? Doesn't he cover every single? Yeah, yeah. He's got, he's got all his dirty little fingers and dirty little toes in every single pie possible. What, what makes you say he's got dirty fingers and dirty toes? How else has he got three hundred million dollars? Well, three hundred million dollars to spare. What one would assume he's not come away from that transaction with a fiver in his pocket? With a, with a zero zero bank account. <laughs> I hope this works out. It's all my money. He's, he, tra- he transfers over. He's like, is that, that, that 55% yeah, does it cover like, the food in the calf? Can I can I go and get a sandwich? <laughs> can I get food whenever I want? Because I need, like, I need shopping. Can I, can I get a bed in there? Can I sleep here? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, he's a, he's a billionaire. So that's how he's got dirty little fingers and toes. Is how do you become a billionaire? Is you do you do dirty things and shady deals? That's how I feel. No one's made nobody's made toes. billions of dollars legitimately. Well, I'm not having it. You either inherit it, or it was sort of taken somewhere at some point. It, it seems to me like this guy made his money as a uh, as a, a left back for Rayo Valencia. Valicano, sorry. Yeah, Real Vicano. Yeah, I know, you're thinking of the other one. Oh. I see. Here's the thing, though. His real job's going to be off the ice. Because for as much as we talk about deals that teams make, 
and all that kind of thing. Every year, hockey is a fucking crapshoot. You never know what's going to happen on the ice. They have good enough players. If your goalie gets hot at the right time, you'll be fine. I mean, I don't know if they've got good enough good enough players to do what. To make the postseason, at least. They can make the postseason. I mean, you'd hope so, but... And like I said, like I said the other week, if, they, if they'd even have league average goaltending at some point over the past few years, they would have made the postseason more than they have. For sure. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you consider, like, yeah, there was that season where the Flames and the Canucks got in and they are both abjectly terrible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's fair enough. And, yeah, his, his real job's going to be off the ice. Either either moving the team, which is always being talked about, or getting a new arena set up, which is constantly being talked about. <sighs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think the arena's going to be more of a thing to look out for just where like I don't know I think if the if the Coyotes were going to move they'd have moved by now yeah I think I agree but then wasn't there a whole thing with like the old owner saying oh we're not going to move into the central when Seattle get here yes so if, if he like, it's a new owner now so you, you don't necessarily know what's going on to be honest but um yeah, if he has the same sort of ideas, then yeah, you could end up with the Houston Coyotes, couldn't you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, if the old ownership was not budging or anything, then maybe uh, maybe Gaz B's had worded someone's ear and said, well, maybe you should think about buying an NHL franchise, Alex. And he's gone, oh, who's for sale? Well, the Coyotes are looking to move. And there you go. Talking to the old, uh, old ownership, like, well, if you don't want to move to Houston, how about you fuck off? <laughs> how, how about you put... million to pack your shit. Yeah. How about you put on some uh, concrete armbands and go swimming with the fishes? It's <laughs> <coughs> a bit dark, isn't it? Speaking of dark. Speaking of dark. <laughs> In a, in a move that equates to sticking your love spuds in a tiger's mouth and flicking his nose with a wet towel, uh, Tammy Panarin decides to, for some fucking reason, speak out against the fabulous bear-riding, suspiciously high-goal-scoring hockey machine that is Vladimir Putin. And he did an interview and said, uh, a few years ago, I was only thinking about hockey, but people kept saying to me, your leader's really tough, and I was proud of that. And then I thought something must be wrong here. And he says he doesn't think Putin's in control. He says he's been in charge for too long. I think it's like 20 years or something. And that he believes, Putin believes he's doing everything right. And Panarin's saying, Panarin's saying oh, well, how can you, you can't see your mistakes. You can't see where the problems are. Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's pretty rare to hear someone speak out against Putin, especially a hockey player as well, after the uh, you know, Ovechkin-Putin team and all that kind of thing. I just think it's the whole thing, like, you look at the NBA, you have star players getting into spats over Twitter and stuff, you know, throwing barbs at each other in, in the media for interviews and stuff, and that's just what's happening here. Two two top players going toe-to-toe, you know, <laughs> having a go at each other. Sorry, <laughs> two of the best defensive weapons that Russia has ever produced. Yeah, um, Having a war of words in the media, and I, I like it, it's only going only gonna to promote the brand. Of, uh, of NHL hockey. Um, no, good. Uh, I mean, Putin's already a game player, so. 
It's not like a 12 I, point per game player, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's going to say 12 point per game player. He's, uh, he must play, he's playing in the Summer League. That's what he's doing. He should turn out, he should turn out for the Beauty League. <laughs> da, Beauty League. I wonder if he's got a... Um, a uh, an elite prospects page. <laughs> oh my god, that would be amazing. They need him on cap friendly as like a free agent <laughs> with his stats. <laughs> oh mate, that'd be incredible. I'm surprised he haven't hasn't suited up in the KHL yet. I know. You know in what some I mean? Way, in some way, it seems like that kind of place where he could just he would just do that. But it's I mean, it's... it's basically a, a lot of the teams are owned by his mates. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, there's no uh, no no career stats for Putin, unfortunately. But the, the thing he's... I love. Go on. Go on, no, go on. Let's do serious things. <laughs> no, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say, saying all the right things, and I don't want to. I don't want to say he's trying to pander to any kind of market or anything, but. He suddenly decides after leaving Columbus and moving to New York that he loves America a lot now, kind of thing. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? Like that episode of The Simpsons when Apu was getting his citizenship. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, maybe he's not. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't want the. Maybe doesn't the Rangers fans call him a commie bastard or something. I don't know. So maybe he just you know he sends a little. Uh, Sends a little email to uh, vputin at gmail.com saying, I'm going to say some things. I don't mean it. I still love you, boss. I'm just saying these things so these people like me for a little bit and then I'll come back. Mate, if he wasn't pandering to American patriots while he was playing for Tortorella, then who's he going to force (laughs) him into doing that? Shit. I didn't even think of that. That's a good point. That's a good point. And like, it is gutsy. It is gutsy when you've got, you know, geezers in bloody. Villages in Surrey going down on Novichok, like to yeah. yeah I think I think Artemi Panarin is a bit easier to find. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the dude's got some balls. The dude's got balls. And he he says he's going to use it. You know, the money he makes from his contract, he's going to use it for some good. He's going to use some of it to fund helping sick children, orphans, uh, pensioners. He's going to try and open up some schools and you know, well, help build them. You know, essentially, and that kind of thing. So. It's saying all the right things. Good. Saying all yeah, the right good, things. good promises. Let's let's see it happen. Because like, do you do you know his his story, like Panarin's story, a little bit at all? Ah, oh, do you know what? I, see, because you've asked me that, you've put me on the spot. I do know it, yes, but I, yeah, I, 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 I like I, I don't know, I don't know it word for word. But yeah, for anyone anyone who's uninformed, like he's from an impoverished little village in central Russia, yeah. sort of thing. Like yeah, he didn't didn't have a new pair of hockey skates until he joined like. CSK in Moscow or whoever it was when he was fifteen. Yeah. Like the 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 infamous anecdote goes that he was tearing it up in like these bargain bin, two sizes too big, you know, skates and and shorts and gear and stuff. Then he gets an invite to like a national program or whatever. First day in his own gear, like he's made a fool of by all these like Moscow kids or whatever. And then he gets a set of gear that fits him, and like the first pair of skates that have ever fit him in his life, bam, just tear, turns into our semi Panarin sort of thing. So yeah, like I can I can see why like he would he would naturally oppose like a a sort of right wing. Yeah, you know, why he would naturally be against Putin? You know what I mean? Yeah. But sure. yeah, good good on him for saying all this stuff. But until he actually makes actions, he's just another rich guy saying that he cares about poor people. You know what I mean? 
he did have a one last one last comment he had, which was not much has changed since the nineties. It's the same. Yeah, people earn more money on average, but the prices have skyrocketed. There's no social change, almost nothing, no jobs. At that point, I wasn't sure if he was talking about Russia or America or England, as I feel that's kind of <laughs> that's the story everywhere, isn't it? It's not as sad as it is. <laughs> it's not just Russia where that has, where that's happened. Yeah, it's a good it's a good blanket statement. Like you're gonna you're gonna <laughs> yeah. hit somewhere with that, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. In a stint shorter than some dumps I have taken, Paul Fenton is out. Hell. As Are you the, all right? Oh no, because I take my time. I've got a kid. Well, it's my only it's my only private place in the house, so I go in there and spend as long as I can in there. It, Longer. Are you than... talking about like just eking out a little bit, like ten minutes a day, then you're eking out a little bit at a time. So technically, it's the same dump you've been doing for like a year and a half, but it's not. It's it's all in like sections. No, it's it is. It comes out essentially in the first minute. It's like an I dump like the SAS. Is that I get in, I know my job done, but then I'll just sit there then for like fifteen minutes, getting numb legs, scrolling through Twitter or watching YouTube stuff. Do you know how long a year is, Dan? It's my only quiet space. Yes, it's three hundred and sixty-five days. Well. So that's not that's not 15 minutes, is it? I mean, yeah. If you're going to pick apart all, I, I, I appreciate the joke. all my jokes, Will. If you're gonna, I don't feel you do. Oh, no, it's, it's do. only the ones that, that cause me immediate concern about your, uh, your the health of your bowels, is all it is. I was thinking, if, if you've had like an 18-month shit, that's... I mean, even before you get to the end of month one, I'd be probably on the phone to 111 at least. Just say, look, it's, I, I know it's a short month, but I have been sitting here for, for the entirety of February and I haven't finished this poo. Can, can you help me? Do you remember me telling you the story about me falling down the cliff in Greece? <laughs> yes, I do. And I said to you at the time, I've got a couple more stories like that. And one day, something will happen. And I'll t- tell you what, if anybody is listening right now who remembers me telling that story, you are an OG listener... And yeah. now you're going to get shout to hear out. the second. Yeah, shout out to you. You're going to now get to hear the second <laughs> the of sequel. these kinds of. St- <laughs> Not necessarily the sequel. It's just another story about some of the things I've like, done um... that have, that you'll then go, what <laughs> the fuck? So about the second Goosebumps film. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not part of a trilogy, but they're kind of like. Is it like a series, it? like presented yeah, by like... Dan Masters? <laughs> yeah. I like Hitchcock. Like you know, it's one of my films, but they're not they're not linked. <laughs> it's all right. I'm, I'm, can I just gonna... say before we start, I'm I'm intrigued as to how uh, a story that I'm assuming is related to excrement, yeah, um, and defecating is yeah. is on par with <laughs> falling with you down, falling the down a cliff with, the, with your trousers right around ankles. <laughs> I don't know if it's I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's the same right. thing or not, but here's my story. Here's another one of my stories. So as you know, I am a, a healthy chap during the week. I eat right, plenty of vegetables. I'm very low carb. I don't have any treats, not even one biscuit, one piece of chocolate, one anything. But on Saturdays, I go off. I can eat whatever I want. I can drink whatever I want. So it's normally like you know, I go crazy. Loads of chocolate, loads of bread, all that kind of thing. However. One point, way, way, way back when I first started doing this, I had a I had a week where I thought, you know what, I'm going to eat what I want all week. Because why not? 
I'll still exercise, but I, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to go crazy and eat whatever I want. This was a mistake. Turns out at the end of that week, I had to go for a clonic irrigation because I'd eaten so much, <laughs> I couldn't go to the toilet, but I also physically couldn't eat. I would have one tiny piece of food and I felt incredibly, incredibly full. And I'd eaten so much, I'd blocked myself up around the back passage. So I, And this isn't even the story. So I go for my colonic, I get flushed out, and the woman said, like, you've eaten a lot this week, haven't you? And I said, yes, <laughs> as, she's, <laughs> as she's flushing the shit out of my bottom. All right? So about, about two years after, I am having not a cheat week, but I have a couple of bad days. And it turns out that my body is now so finely tuned to me not having two bad days in a row that I get bunged up again. And I think, oh, like, God damn it. Like, I, I have to go back for clonic. It's like, you know, like 40 quid or whatever. So I ring them up and they say, we've got no appointments till next Wednesday. And I said, oh, so, you know, can you recommend anywhere else? She says no. So I go online and I find out how to perform a self-colonic will which involved me <laughs> lying in the bath in my house. I had to get a squeezy bottle of water. I had to empty that water out and then use the squeezy top, put it into that area. Uh, sorry, I had, to, I had to boil some water first so it's clean water and then use that water once it had cooled in the squeezy bottle and I lay in the bath with my knees near my ears, squeezed the water into myself, and then would have to jump onto the toilet quickly to then clear out uh, said blockage. Huh. So I have, I have, I have self-performed. I have self-performed a colonic irrigation. That's um, that's that's one hell of a, a story. <laughs> Dude, it's the worst. Honestly, being blocked up, it's the worst. Because you know. You know what the problem is. There's not a damn thing. You, you can sit on the toilet. I was sat on the toilet, honestly, for this time, no jokes aside, 45 minutes. Like, legs upon a stool, the whole nine yards. <laughs> could not, could not go to the toilet. And I just knew, like, I have to flush this out. I have to, essentially... Because what happens is, it becomes a giant ball. And it can't; it just can't come out. So you have to flush it with water. So essentially, it breaks up. Yeah, it breaks up inside your body and then comes out in small, like rock-hard pellets. And that's why I had to do. That is one hell of a story, Dan. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. That's all right. So Paul Fenton, right? <laughs> I've forgotten where where this is all stemmed from. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ! You know what's I wrong with this league, Dan? You know what's wrong with this league? Sorry to cut you off. How long have we got? But go on. It's not GMs. It's fucking owners. Yeah. Jeez Louise. These GMs come up with stupid ideas, but... Fuck me. How many... How many more owners do we have to have that okay ridiculous ideas and then sat their GM, like, a few weeks later? Out minutes later? Shout out to you for picking Craig Leopold as worst GM of the year for his hiring of two terrible GMs. Soon to be three terrible GMs. Well, I don't know. I don't know. 
Who who is he going to get though? That's going to be any good. And 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 even if he does, like Craig Leopold's already out out himself as as a liability. Did I say Paul Leopold, or did I say Craig Leopold? I think you said Craig. Did I say Paul Leopold? No, you said Craig. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I certainly said Craig. Yeah, because even even going back to like 2012 when they signed Suter and Parise, that that wasn't whoever the GM was at the time. That's that's a Craig Leopold deal. Everything yeah. that's wrong with the the Minnesota Wild today is it can be related back to either Le- direct decisions by Leopold or like a mandated, um, yeah, like a mandate sent down from Leopold. Even when he's talking about giving Fenton the sack, he's like, "Yeah, we're a playoff team. We expect to be in the playoffs." What do you mean you fucking expect to be in the playoffs? You're like the the sh- the most average team in the league, and have been for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah, for for over a decade. It's mental, absolutely mental. Arguably, yeah, no, definitely the second worst owner in the league though. But then you just think like he must be, he must be so hands off that he doesn't find things out until like three months after they've happened <laughs> or something. <laughs> He's like, hang on, we traded Nino nah. Niederreiter for who? It's a rask, did we? Oh, not did at it. all. Not at all. I don't. I don't believe it for a second. Like, there's not a single NHL owner in the league that doesn't have every single move run past him. Dude, you well, think no, that? Yeah, probably, probably like not this. a single. Isn't isn't the geezer in San Jose like proper? He's just some German guy who's like, eh, whatever. See what happens. Yeah. Fenton lets Charlie Coyle go, and the brute like he plays awesome for the Bruins in the postseason. He lets Nino Niederreiter go, who was then really good for the Hurricanes. Stuff like that. Why did you let that happen then? He then lets he then lets Fenton go through the draft and signs Zuccarello, <laughs> and then like two weeks later goes, ah, fuck it, not you. I think, why have you just done... At what point... Okay, so after he made all those deals last year to try and reshape the team, did, did Leopold hate the draft that much? Did he hate the signing of Zuccarello that much? That was a final straw? It must have been in his mind, like he wasn't happy. No, no matter what the, no matter which straw broke Leopold's back, it still happened. It still happened. Like uh, for for me, if I was Craig Leopold, I'd yeah, against my better judgment, I'd at least wait until like a couple of months into the season just to sort of cover my own back a little bit. Yeah. Because right now he's just he's you know whether it's the right decision or not it's probably the right decision but he still mugged himself off in in an insane way because like I say he's he's just done the draft he's just done free agency he's given out all this money to all these players and signed all these players by saying cool you're a, you're a big fucker aren't you I love that <laughs> um, you're partly it's like right? yeah <laughs> you're really tall and have a long time come with me young man. As as much as Fenton has made some terrible decisions, like Leopold has, because because it's like when she already got got fired after um after signing Koskinen to thirty five million over two weeks or whatever it was. <laughs> Praise be <laughs> Teflon Don. Praise be. It's after he got the Jimmy Schultz deal, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, like Oilers Oilers management still okayed that deal, and and it yeah. wasn't a. Craig Leopold didn't wake up on Tuesday or whatever day it was and just think, oh, I'm going to sack Paul Fenton today. Yeah, I don't know. 
He, I was fine with him yesterday, but today, nah, don't like him, get rid of him. Yeah. It's got I, to have been I, yeah. building. There must have been a point, say, because it doesn't, I don't know if you're aware, Dan, there hasn't been any hockey played since April in Minnesota. No. So, you know, after game 82, there must have been something in Leopold's head that was like, oh, I don't know. Like yeah, <laughs> maybe he's a, he's a guest chair of the beauty league. Um, <laughs> he traded Brock Besser. <laughs> and he's just tearing it up. He's like, oh, fucking hell. And Leopold's like, you can't run a fucking run a beauty league team, let alone the wild. Get out. <laughs> Trading for Kevin Fiala and he's got two points in ten games. <laughs> Scrub. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what I mean? After game 82 last year, either, either Leopold already thought, oh, I don't know if we can... Yo, I don't know if Fenton's necessarily done as well as I want them to, like etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Or even worse, it was this. This is what happened. He just woke up on Wednesday. Nah, stuff him. Let's get rid of him. <laughs> Which is just yeah, dangerous maybe, in yeah. its own right. Maybe he did. The players clearly that you know it helped as well. That I think Jared Spurgeon came out said he wanted to hear plans before signing an extension because he wasn't sure. Zach Parise said he was concerned because the team had kind of gone backwards. and Oh, it just absolutely shivved him, didn't they? Yeah, completely, completely. But then on the other on the other side of it, we've seen what happens if owners give GMs they don't like too much time to try and turn it around. We've just mentioned hashtag hire Chiarelli. That's what happens if you try and let them kind of trade their way out of it. And I suppose that, yeah, doing it... All right, he's done it now, which seems bizarre to do it after the draft and after free agency. But then, do you run the risk then of him making more trades in in the season and it getting even worse and worse? It's, it's, just, it's just weird. Yeah, I mean, he, he made the right decision, I think. But he just made it too late. He, he equally made it too uh, like early, yeah, early enough and too late, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's still, I, I will um, never <laughs> understand why, you know, why let him do all that he's let him do. <laughs> but the, the the franchise is nothing's going to change. They're still they're still fucked for next season and beyond. the The only thing that the Senators have going over um, uh, the Wild, like I'm not particularly familiar with Craig Leopold's medical history, but I do think that you know. Me and Eugene's probably got gonna die before him. No, he won't, because me and Eugene's not even himself anymore. He's made up of various other people, isn't he? He's, He's a cyborg, Eugene. Technically, technically, Eugene Marnik's only about thirty-five years old with all these all the various body parts he's harvested. They're all young body so, parts. I'm, I'm <laughs> Craig buzzing. Craig his actual age. Absolutely buzzing for for Elon Musk to introduce the. <laughs> the new perfected cybernetic Eugene Melnick. <laughs> he just takes off like a rocket from the press conference. Eugene away! <laughs> we at Tesla have been working on a very special project. <laughs> <laughs> the Melnick X. <laughs> oh dear. I don't know. I, I, I said we, we had a quick chat on WhatsApp about the wild and. I, I still think Ron Hextall got a rough deal in Philly. I think he got a raw deal. And I, I still think he's a good GM. But the thing is with Ron Hextall is that he, he was promoting patience and time. And you've already got Leopold saying we're a playoff team, which is insane. That That's the thing. Oh. Like, how, how can you hire a sensible GM when you've got an absolute nutter of a... Yeah, you've got the Joker at the helm of your bloody... Yeah. Of your, yeah. Of your franchise. Which is why it's going to end up as 
somebody who's won a cup, somebody who uh, has a history of swinging for the fences, shall we say, Dan. A, a general manager who is not afraid of a big trade. <laughs> Taking a risk. Please. Please. Come on down, Peter Chiarelli. The Teflon Don. Oh, it's it's going to happen. I feel it. I feel it in my bones, mate. If it, oh god, if it does, I'll be over them. But can you imagine? Oh, please, yeah. I can see it all in my head right now. I can just see, I can just see the Twitter explosion right now, and it, it'll just be a beautiful thing. A beautiful. I'm buzzing. Absolutely buzzing. You know what? Speaking of the Oilers, they unfortunately, in my opinion, made a sensible trade. As we move on to trades and signings over the past few weeks as the Milan Lucic in a classic one for one <laughs> goes to Calgary a traditional uh, James... Edmonton Oilers one for one oh yeah it's a classic it's an Oilers classic it's a one for one with Milan Lucic going to Calgary and James Neal going the other way we said I think we said a few weeks ago yeah why not here's my piece of shit I'll give you this piece of shit for your piece of shit let's hope these two pieces of shit end up then becoming Something better than that. Let's I do feel that I do feel that Edmonton. Yeah, I do feel that Edmonton got much better out of this deal. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I. I think that's that's fair to say. Like. Um. You know, James Neal has got. He's got a longer deal, but I'd I'd put a lot more money for, for James Neal to be more productive and potentially less of a burden. Throughout that. Um, oh, Mate, just throughout the length of that deal, then the Lucic is, is going to be in, even in what four years that's left? Is it four, three? <laughs> you just, you just look at, did you just look at those deals? Is that why you took it in take a breath? Uh, no, I finally I finally worked out how to get hockey viz to work. Turns out all oh. I had to do was actually look, and uh, I'm looking at the uh, the results of five on five um, uh, offensive shot rates with Milan Lucic on the ice. Anyone familiar with Mike Michael McCurdy's um, heat map? work um if i tell you now there is a, a lot of blue on the <laughs> a lot of blue fortunately fortunately they have quite a dense shot rate from uh, from the left point which is a uh, very very useful if you get one very specific spot just off the half wall near the blue line um you're going to get a lot of shots off there with lucic on the ice which is very useful which yeah, is clearly not... what they needed in calgary I'd, I'd say that's the, the missing piece. I mean, James Neal's not much better, but um, he's equally, yeah, a lot better. Not perfect, but definitely better than Lucic. Here's the thing with James Neal. I know we laughed and joked about him last year and his ability to snake it and indeed make it, but it was one... You can say in a, in a bubble, you say, okay, he had one bad year. There's a chance. There's more of a chance James Neal comes back at least sticking with McDavid for a little bit and see if that helps or generates something to kind of get him back into the groove. There's more that, of a chance that, with that than, I mean, you know, it's it's something. That's the thing, like, for, from the Oilers' perspective especially, like, um, Lucic is, is a known commodity from their point of view. He doesn't, doesn't fit with McDavid. He's not been producing for a couple of seasons now. Let's get someone else in. See what can happen. Yeah, like, and it's a, yeah. it's a smart move for um, Edmonton's cap as well, because they don't have to protect him. 
they'd have to protect Neil and next year's expansion, and they Perfect. can buy him out. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is a geezer that you know prior to last season's abomination really have he's every single season he's been in the league he's scored at least 21 goals which it's not bad not bad proven goal scorer you'd think that you know chuck him next to because even if you chuck him staple into Connor and he only gets 15 goals that's almost certainly going to be more than uh, more than what Lucic gets so I would guess so yeah yeah that's what I put my money on and yeah yeah there you go the good news is for me trade. as well. The good news is for me as well, is that if James Neal is playing on McDavid's wing, we'll finally get to see Leon Dreisaitl drive his um, drive his own line, which we know he can do. Buzzing, which we one hundred percent know he can do. Flanked by uh, by the incredible players of such as uh, <laughs> also known as alongside uh, alongside Cassian and Raj Kyra come on down Cooper Marudi come on down mate whenever you see these like projected lineups for this season <laughs> and the Oilers one comes up I think it's Jonathan Willis it's just yep. like <laughs> that 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 bottom nine is just offensive <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's like who I think there's at least four geezers that have been on waivers in the last two seasons fucking hell <sighs> oh it's so bad so 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 bad I'll tell you what Will in my day second pairing D-men weren't this expensive what uh, Sam Gerard? I was thinking more of Jacob Truber who never heard of him Never heard of him, yeah. Who signs for seven years at eight million dollars? Yeah, but but is he is he a second pairing D man though? That's the question I yes. have for you. Is yes, he, is he though? Because if memory serves, he's, right, he's sorry. played on the top. Obviously, clearly for the Rangers this year. No, he's not going to be. He's going to be a. He's going to be their best D man apparently. Yeah, but he was he was a top he was a top um, top pair in Winnipeg. I'm not I'm sorry. He is not. <laughs> eight million dollars. I think I think you're Eight doing million dollars. I think you're doing Jacob Trouba a disservice, eh? I don't think I am. I think I think. Well, I think you I are. Think his agents. I think. <laughs> well, I don't think I am. Look, Michael McCurdy has him as an average threat on on offense, <laughs> and if that's not worth eight million dollars, <laughs> if that's not worth eight, I don't know what is. Dollars, I don't know what is. <laughs> Fucking eight I mean, million. I, I mean, it's not ideal, is it? No, <laughs> it's no, not it ideal. Please, I was going to say he's twenty-two. That's that's not true. You know, when players get you know players players are RFA, and they get traded before they have to sign a new deal with their existing team. So they get traded to a new team. I like Jacob Truber. I can't believe for one second that the Rangers didn't have. Oh, I, if they if they were happy to pay him eight million dollars, then f- fine, whatever, fine. But I can't believe at no point did they discuss before any trades or anything because it goes on. I don't want to hear about you can't do that. It goes on. It's clear it goes on. That he said to them, "I want eight million dollars," and they went, "Okay, then come over here. We'll give you eight million dollars," because that's insane. I. Uh... I just, yeah. I mean, it's not great, is it? 
But then, then Dan, like, <laughs> when you've got when you've got Mark Stoll making uh, five point seven million and Brendan Smith making four point three five million, how can you not pay Jacob Trouba eight million dollars? Well, Jacob Trouba eight million dollars. Speaking of future buyouts from the Rangers, Kevin Shattenkirk's been bought out after. Mate, like, that that buyout, I hadn't realised they're still only a million dollars under the cap and they haven't signed Tony D'Angelo. Yes. <laughs> or Brendan Lemieux. Yeah. Which, you know, judging by what um what bottom six wingers with names that sound a little bit like Brendan again, uh, that's going to cost them a big ticket. Absolutely. You know what? Again, I will give credit where it's due. You absolutely called it a few weeks ago when we talked about the Devils and the Rangers. And you said... I said to you, it's a Rangers rebuild over, and you said, what the fuck are you talking about? This is not a team in great shape. Great, they've got Panarin, they've got a good goalie. Well done. What else have they got? I'll hold my hands up all the time when you're right, mate. Mate, you were bang on. Thank you very much. Thank you. Like, I, I don't hate what the what Rangers have. I think I like Rangers squad more than I like the Coyote squad. But um, if that's if I see a, your yardstick, then... Fucking what are we what are we even talking about? Yeah. I've got I've got a lot of players. I there. mean I feel you know, I do feel, I do feel for Kevin Shattenkirk a bit. <clears throat> Not in a oh god, it's terrible for him, because he's made loads of money, so you know, fuck that guy. But this is who he wanted to play for. This was this was his dream. He wanted to go and play for the Rangers because he saw them play twice or something. I don't fucking know what hockey players are like. But it was the worst kept secret. He was gonna go to the Rangers when he became a free agent. He was going to linchpin their D, be the offensive defenseman, drive there, get loads of points, and, you know, hopefully lead them to some kind of glory. And then in 119 games, he has 44 points. And I think, I'm pretty sure at some point, he was scratched last year as well. He was healthy scratched. No, he had, so. he had 51 points. Yeah, well, that's what, that's what Cap Friendly says. 23 in 17-18 uh, and 28 last season. Oh, there you go then. Well, 51 I don't, I don't how get can why. I, how can I been so Speaking wrong of that, the brilliance like, of Kevin Shattenkirk? I, I think he's getting a bit of a rough time. Like, yeah, he's not. He, he wasn't like incredible, but he wasn't wasn't the shittest D man on the on the team, was he? That's the thing. That was something that yeah, shout out Michael McCurdy again. He, you know, speak like talking about Shattenkirk being bought out. He's not the like, he's not the worst defender on that team. Yeah. Jacob Trouba, average threat, 5v5 offence. Uh, Kevin Shanko, plus three threat on offence. So, I mean, what? That's an eight million... Eight million dollars. <laughs> Fucking hell. Can, you can't re-sign a player after you buy him out, can you? So it's not like the Rangers Honestly, could have bought him out and then signed him to an eight and a half million dollar no, deal, you- is it? <laughs> You can't do that, can you? <laughs> We've just bought him out. He's just re-signed for eight years at seven hundred fifty grand. Joking, <laughs> joking, like because obviously the spirit of not not re-signing a bought-out player is to to save yourself money on the cap. What if you want to re-sign yes. him for more money? <laughs> I feel like there has to be an exception made for that. I guess you'd be allowed to do that. We'll hold our hands up. <laughs> We've underpaid him. We wanna we wanna compensate him fairly. Oh, Christ. All right, let's move on. I've got a question for you then. After after my rant about Jacob Trouba getting $8 million, should I just insert your Bobrovsky rant 
from a month ago while we talk about Andre Vasilevsky getting eight years at nine and a half million dollars. I mean, yeah, but you've got to change the age because he's not he's not old. It's like true. Vasilevsky's a good player and everything, and it's it's, it's a hard one because like, how are you gonna turn around and and say? No, you can't. You don't sign Vasilevsky. You know what I mean? You can't, yeah. you can't just How do you walk. Quickly, but, just for you then, just before you start then, because this was, a, a, let me lead into a question. I'm going to play devil's advocate. You're sat in the conference room with Julian and the Breezy Boys. Vas's agent walks in and says, my guy won the Vezina and he's amazing. He wants eight years, nine and a half million. Anything less, we're walking away. You being the goalie hater that you are, you say to Julian and the Breezy Boys, well, we're not going to do that, are we? Like, would you that would you take the deal, or would you walk away from that deal? Well, you can't walk away because he was an RFA. Oh, sorry. You know what I mean, though. Like, would you trade him, or would you say we're not we're not paying you that? We're going to trade you. Or, you know, you know what I mean. I think I'd trade him. I'd like to think I'd trade him, but then I'd I'm not uh, I'm not one of two hundred good hockey men, so I don't think the same way <laughs> they do. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not in that position, so I can never fully say how I'd react. But level head, yeah, you trade him. You try you t- you turn you turn back around to whoever Vasilevsky's agent is, and say, "Look, your boy shouldn't have won the Vesna. John Gibson should have won the Vesna. If John Gibson didn't win the Vesna, it should have been Ben Bishop. So, um, you know, fuck you to start with. Um, you send you show him the the insurmountable amount of ways that that he's not as good as John Gibson, and say, look, John Gibson gets six point four million dollars." Uh, and he has to pay tax. You don't have to pay tax here. I'm going to give you seven million dollars. Bam. See you later. I'd, I'd even, I'd even. No, I wouldn't. Nah. Seven million dollars tops. Yeah, I think I agree. And I think the funny thing was is that they could have easily said, "Well, look, Andre, your backup won ten games in a row last year. Yeah. So how good can you actually be?" That that's the thing. You show him the Gibson stats, and you show him like your Peter Mrazek's your Robin Laners, your whoever you want to yeah. show him, your Darcy Kempters, just show him like, look, mate, I appreciate you've been good this year, but like, I can't, I can't invest in you because I don't know what's going to happen, and you, you play the most volatile position in all sports. Like, I can't. It would be unwise for me to invest in you, not knowing what's going to happen down the road, sort of thing. And and this is this is a player who yeah he's been very good throughout his career, but has he played a single game behind a bad team? No, no he's not. He has not at all. He hasn't put bloody put Jake Allen there you go in in net for the bloody Canada Olympic team and he's probably going to look pretty decent, isn't he? The the thing that I've been thinking about earlier about the uh, the lightning contract situation, which I get the feeling we're going to talk about a bit later. So, so you got the big tickets. You got nine and a half for Kucherov, nine and a half for Vasilevsky moving forward, uh, eight and a half for Stamkos, uh, seven point eight seven five for Hedman, and six seven five for McDonough. Uh, it's a lot of money, a lot of money. And then you got Braden Point, who's probably going to be nine and a half as well, I'd imagine. Does Vasilevsky's contract look a bit better if Victor Hedman's getting nine and a half million? And Vasilevsky's getting seven point eight seven five. If you sw- if you swap the contracts, does does the whole thing feel a little bit more palatable? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. That's a that's a really good point. It's it's the same end, but yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know, it's just something that I was I was thinking about earlier. I just think, yeah, it's a bit... Yeah, I don't know. Because I, I think... It, when your goalie's getting paid the same as Nikita Kucherov and more than Steven Stankos and more than Victor Hedman. That's, that's that the doesn't, thing. Doesn't sit right, does it, that? Who would you rather pay nine and a half million to, Victor Hedman or a goalie? <laughs> That's, That's the thing, like, yeah, like I said, especially coming off last season. I said about the th- three of the four conference finalists last season. Or, sorry, not three of the four, but there was... It wasn't three of the four, was it? Who was in the conference final with the Blues? Uh, Sharks. The Sharks. Well, never mind. So, <laughs> yeah, effectively, <laughs> Two of the three four. of the four. <laughs> Two of the four. Yeah, all right, we'll see. Uh, Bennington, yeah. Mrazek, and then the worn-out husk of Martin Jones. Mrazek. But to be fair, Tuka Rask is getting paid seven million, but he was awesome. So you that's the point now. You can pay a goalie seven million and he'll be awesome. You can pay a goalie a million or three million a year and he'll be awesome. Robin Lehner made one point five million and was awesome. You put them in the right teams, they'll be fine. You know, you just nine and a half million like you say, the joint highest paid player on the team. And it's I'm sure that he will be good. I'm sure he's going to be great for all those seasons. I'm sure he's going to be a fantastic goalie. But I'm not that sure. I'm not nine and a half million dollars sure. For here's the thing, for for a skater to get nine and a half, ten million dollars, you want more than a point per game. That a, a player in my opinion who's getting that much money should be getting at least a point per game. Regarding, you know, disregarding injuries all that kind of thing. If you've got a goalie making nine and a half, ten million that goalie better be like 9.33, 9.35. There should be no kind of drop-off. You shouldn't have a 9.5 million goalie being like 9... Fi- In my opinion, like 9.15, 9.17. You can just pick them up anywhere. 100%. And and this is the other thing that, that really did it for me. So so the, thing, the player I was best comparing him to is Jamie Benn. Jamie Benn, exactly yeah. the same cap hit, 9.5 million. Jamie Benn goes from winning the Art Ross Trophy in 2015, 17, whenever, whenever it was, wins the Art Ross Trophy, builds on that season. Let's have a, let's, let's get our facts straight, shall we? Yeah, wins the Art Ross Trophy in 2015, builds on that to go to to 89 points and scores even more points. You know, absolute dominating power forward. Like, he's doing so well that Sidney Crosby says he's the best player in the league and stuff like that. Like, absolutely smashing it. Signs this nine and a half million dollar contract, uh, and then a couple of seasons in, he um, has the worst statistical season of his uh, of his career so far. Yeah, yeah, points points per game wise since his rookie season. Now a nine and a half million dollar Jamie Ben, who's underperforming but still you know you know fifty three points isn't it's not bad it's not bad player but just not worth his contract. No. A Jamie Benn who's not worth his contract is easier to get value out of and still you know, use him in a productive manner for your team than if, you know, like you say, Andre Vasilevsky turns into a 9-15 goalie. Still good. Yeah. Still good. But he ain't 9.5 million good. And and that's the problem. It's There's such a spotlight on that position. That you're, I think nine times out of ten you're better spending less and taking a risk. Yeah, you know, it's investing wisely rather than just paying for for saves, especially where there's not really a correlation between dollars and saves. And you just know, you just know the second he makes a big mistake, that's it. That contract just gets rammed down his throat. Quite literally. 
Yeah. Julian <laughs> yeah, Breesbar. I mean, yeah. He's got a copy in his top drawer. There's... Send Andre in there. He's the only idiot. <laughs> They're losing the shootout. Yes. Get him in. You make no saves, you little bastard. What we feel is good value, or I'm sure you will, Nikita Gusev goes to the Devils for a 2020 third rounder and a 2021 second rounder. Did you know, Will, in the last four years in the KHL, Gusev has 318 points in 273 games? No, that's worth nine and a half million. And he also has he also has forty six points in thirty games for Russia. I mean that's yeah, pretty pretty good numbers, pretty good numbers. I I was more excited about this deal this morning than I was this afternoon. Uh, I I just been reading and listening a bit more about the deal, and um, a lot of scouts seem to think that Nikita Gusev doesn't know how to skate. Which is worrying. Which is very worrying. As as much as I like Gusev, I, I must admit I don't don't know all that much about his game. No. Um, I, I, I know he's you know very good power play producer, but um, yeah, the the famous quote being bandied about about around him is uh, I like him a lot more. You know, a scout saying he likes him a lot more when he's stationary than when he's moving. Which is worrying. For a for a player, do you think though for two for two years at four and a half million per year? Oh mate, it's almost do it. It's eight days a week, don't you? Eight yeah, days a week for, for a player with that sort of stat line, and and it's not like yeah, you know, he's not some flash in the pan that's like had one quality season in the KHL. Yeah, you know, he's he's up there with your Radulovs, your your Kovalchuk sort of thing. He should be if he if he's good, he's gonna be good. Probably not yes. not Panarin good, but real good. And and even if he just turns into a weapon on your power play, that's a bit of a bit of a cannon to have in your power play, isn't it? I think it is absolutely. It's absolutely wild that not even three years into their existence, George McPhee saying about cap issues and we can't fit this many good players into a cap system, and I found that insane. Like, dude, you're two years in. And you've already got like massive cap issues. <laughs> it's it's a funny one with the Vegas cap issues because on one hand, yeah, like it's a bit of a joke, like how how have you gotten yourself into this position? But at the same time, the way they've gotten themselves into this position is by pick like making some incredible moves and picking up some quality quality players. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? That's what I mean. Like I'm not saying it's like a terrible. It's it's just it's it's, it's insane. All ends up. I, I think it's insane that they're investing quite so much money in very average defenders, but that's just that's just me. Yeah, you're not a fan of those deals, are you? I mean, I, I can't say I'm a, I'm a particularly big fan of them. No, I mean, it might, you know, Shea Theodore might turn into a really good defender, but I don't think he will. And uh, I don't think Nate Schmidt's worth $6 million, not in a million years. We shall see. They got Jimmy Schultz waiting in the wings, ready to, ready Buzzing. to go. All right, well, come on, let's have a look at Jimmy Schultz then, shall we? How do you think he did in his <laughs> in his two games? Oh, mate, demonic, absolutely demonic. Plus seven percent threat, five and five in nineteen minutes. Damn it, plus seven. It's pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, that God, that's uh, <laughs> if he's after that Jacob Trouba money, Vegas are really in trouble. <laughs> I mean, you'd, you'd argue that what 
So if we're going to give Shattenkirk eight and a half, then Schultz worth at least nine, probably nine and a half. <laughs> Dangerous. Dangerous. <laughs> Last thing on uh, trades and signings. Teams just can't seem to stop helping other teams out. They just love to do it. David Clarkson goes back to Toronto in an amazing move where the Leafs take on a massive cap hit to then help themselves later on to sign Mitch Marner to a massive cap hit. And the Ottawa Senators acquire, uh, obviously, Callahan from the Lightning and a fifth and sixth get swapped in there somewhere, but that's not really that important. Why are why why do these teams like helping each other? I mean, we know why we know why we do it, don't we? Christ. Yeah, well, you've got to save money somehow, haven't you? Um, yeah, that's it. That's it, really. I don't. I don't really get the whole uh, David Clarkson deal for Columbus. No Vegas. Oh yeah, Vegas had to get under the cap. It under the cap for for um for opening night. Sorry, I was I was back in two thousand sixteen there for a minute. Yeah, the the Clarkson thing for Toronto is weird. I I sort of get it in in like you know, you're you're saving the money for in it's it's like enforced savings. You know what I mean? It's like when you have a yeah um, very very. There's lots of videos out there. There's a there's a I think. Either or a Sportsnet or a TSN have got one's got a two minute video that explains it, one's got a ten minute video that explains it. Very, very basically, <laughs> because David Clarkson's on LTIR, the Leafs will get the cap relief from that contract. And it and it then gives them like an extra, I think, four point seven five or five million dollars or something. Meaning that I think come the start of the season the Leafs will have about ten point five million dollars free in, in usable cap space. But but the thing I don't get is surely if they hadn't traded for Clarkson, they'd just have, you know, whatever, 5.75 today, and then when Horton goes on IR, then Horton's deal on top making the same number anyway. Dude, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I don't get how it works that's either. I, that's what I don't understand. Yeah, I don't, I don't get how it works either. But essentially what it is, is it's the NHL, a fucking idiot, when it comes to salary cap rules, and the salary cap, which is there for a reason, is being abused to bypass that reason. Making oh, yeah, it definitely. almost kind of pointless. If, if, <laughs> if there's one thing... Fair play. Fair play to Cal Dubas and his team for finding, for working that out and doing it. Good on them, because they found the loophole there. Well, it's, it's a bit of an advantage when you have the geezer who wrote the CBA um, working for your team. <laughs> I think, That's a fair point. I think, That's you know, a fair point. You know, big up to Brandon Pridham. Like, if you're... If there's one person you want to hire in in a cap world, it's the geezer who made all of the rules around the cap. Bloody hell, bloody hell! But you're you're absolutely right. Both of those, you know, the Callahan deal, yeah, whatever it is, what it is. Eugene wants to save a bit of money. Um, I think they're projected to have forty million spent in um in salary for a what a sixty two yeah, so, million dollar yeah, cap floor. Yeah, in taking on Ryan Callahan, the cap hit is sixty five point nine million, but salary will be forty seven point five million. Mate, ridiculous. If if I'm Gary Bettman, I'm going up to Eugene's house and slapping him in the mouth myself. Absolutely. Because it's just like that. That to me is just such a. I can't understate it enough. Like Bettman has to be, and the rest of the owners have to be looking at Eugene. Like, are you are you serious, mate? Do you actually want to be here? Yeah. If you're trying to mug us off like this, like you're clearly not serious about this. You know what I mean? Every man and his dog wants to pay six hundred mil to get a franchise. 
bugger off. The good news is for Sans fans is um, obviously they're not being taken the piss out of again. <laughs> and in doing this, Eugene is saving himself $20 million in real cash. But this team is going to spend to the cap for unparalleled success at some point, which is great because I'm sure that really will happen. I've, I've just worked out what, what you actually meant by we're going to spend to the cap. He's, he's going to have like found the ultimate circumnavigation and they're going to have a, have a cap hit of like, you know, whatever it is. Let's, let's say it's to let you one million, like an 80, 80 million cap hit and a, an actual salary of like 35 million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spend it as a cat, boys. I don't know what you want. I don't know what you want from me. Yeah, they're just going to keep accumulating draft picks every every year and have like just a, just a team of VLCs. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, not, and, and not just, very good VLCs. Ton of guys on LTIR. <laughs> yeah, they're going to trade all of those firsts to uh, to team to teams for players that they don't really need, like for Ryan Johansson or Jacob Trouber and stuff like that. So they're always going to have these like first overall picks that are going to be belong to other teams. It's horrendous. What a joke! What a joke! No, I agree. I, I absolutely agree about. It. Yeah, the I, the league should be the league should be furious. Yeah. With with this deal, with this deal and what they're doing, it just makes it look like a joke. And God, he doesn't. I mean, clearly he's got. I mean, he was from the like the Lebrett and Flats deal. He was trying to pinch and save there, wasn't he? Trying to get other people to pay for it and him to say. If you buy it, can I rent it for you for a dollar? <laughs> and they were like, no, you can't do that, you cheap bastard. And he clearly doesn't have the money at all to, yeah. to pay for things, anything, like salaries, anything. You know what I'm buzzing for? Like, yeah, the, the, the ultimate event in this saga is when uh, when Eugene gets a payday loan from Tom Dundon. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's getting high interest bankroll from Dundon, <laughs> and Dundon owns the senators. You know what he could do? He could, he could go to Alex Morelov, the new Coyotes owner. If he didn't if he didn't know who that was, well, and you could get him to build a new arena, put in all the casino stuff, get his loan there because Morelov does it all, doesn't he? He's a one stop shop for he's everything you need in life. Stop shop. <laughs> <laughs> There you go, Alex Morello, the one-stop shop owner. He's basically Del Boy, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he is. Oh shit, that reminds me. Who's that guy who writes for the Athletic Chicago? Is it Scott Powers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the Chicago writer? Yeah, dude. Have you seen his Twitter picture? Oh, and he's got the flat cap. And he... <laughs> Every time I see that, I think of Del Boy. Every time I see that picture, I, I think of he Del Boy. D- he does look like an extra from. Green Street or something, didn't he? <laughs> or I thought he looks like one of those renegade cops who doesn't play by the rules, but God damn it, he gets results. I, t- I tell you now, Scott Powers <laughs> looks like he loves a chicken tikka pie. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Calling yeah. it like calling everyone a mug <laughs> at the match. You, you fucking, fucking prick. mug! Come on, you Reds, you fucking pricks! <laughs> we should get him on just because he looks British. <laughs> Yeah, he should. He looks very. He does look so British. Imagine him down like down the lane or down, down Upton Park back in the day. Down the red line, <laughs> neck and Stella after Stella. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, we love you, Scott Powers. Shout out to Scott Powers. But yep. be- before we move on to our main event, can I can I drop one last wonderful Michael McCurdy hockey vis on you? 
Oh, please do. It's the ultimate one. The one that we've all been waiting for. It's Brandon Peary. Ah. Oh. Have you have you got any guesses? You got any guesses for his... Uh, for his five, five on five, oh. unblocked shot rates for... Our diamond in the rough. Oh, yeah. You, you, you want me to give a plus percentage here, don't you? Like what? Like plus? Uh, what, plus yeah, plus or plus or minus. What do you think? What do you think, Period. Offensive threat, unblocked it's shots. A, it's got to be a... I'm going to go... I mean... Plus 12. Brandon Peary. 378 minutes in the 18-19 season for the Vegas Golden Knights. Plus 17%. Threat. Shit. <laughs> I went high as well. I thought I was going That's high. Mental. Abs and it's all from the slot as well. All from the slot. It's just ridiculous. I, don't, I, don't, I, I would as long as I live, I will never understand Brandon Peary. Never understand him. No. He's a mystery, Will. He's an enigma I, wrapped in a riddle. I, I reckon <laughs> at some point he's finally finally he's gonna be like thirty six, he's gonna get a chance and he's gonna put up forty goals. Just randomly, because someone finally plays him with good players on the top line. Maybe he's a Pokemon and he's not reached his final form yet, and he's got he's got to get to that before he can like really start hammering the goals in. I think that's the only reasonable explanation, really, isn't it? Do you know what? I'm going to call an audible. I think we have to end the show here. I think that's rather reasonable. than do our yeah, because <laughs> we've been for almost for two hour. hours. An hour and 53 minutes, and we've not even got into teams that we think have to win this season. <laughs> we had like four or five each. <laughs> I blame, I blame, so, uh, I blame your shit story. I blame my, in all ways, a shit story. I think we should, uh, I think we should postpone that till next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's reasonable. Good, uh, good Same shout. Same was going like two, well, save that. And me then trying to edit down a two hour and fifty minute show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I feel like it's going to be a lot of shouting at each other. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right then. Yeah, let's uh, let's get out of here. Um, <laughs> thank you everyone for listening to the show this week. I, I was going to say a quiet week, but clearly not. As you know what it is. You know what it is. What is it? I'm back. It's okay. I I disconnected them for a second. Yeah. Do you know what it is? It's that. I feel that because neither of us really has anyone to talk to that much about hockey, we just have so much pent up and bottled up that when we come on here, that's it, isn't it? It's just, we just bleh, it all comes out. It's, it, I think it's a combination of that and the fact that we're, we're both quite well well versed in the art of chatting shit. Yeah, true. That's a very so, good point. When you get a pair of talkers anyway together to talk about something that they never get to talk about, you're, you're asking for trouble, really, aren't you? Thank you everyone for listening to the show this week. If winning into each other's on Twitter, you can. I am at Dan Straight Edge. Will you are at W E V E V E R E T T. At two Brits One Puck, uh, number two, number one. So next time on the show, we will discuss teams who we feel are so tight to the cap or in cap hell that they have to win this year or they're pretty much screwed. Uh, so yeah, that's look forward to next time. Will, any last words? Uh, I, I just want to shout out Michael McCurdy because I love him so very much. His website is hockeyviz, H-O-C-K-E-Y-V-I-Z dot com. You can, you can access a lot of his beautiful heat maps on there and pretend that you know things about players that you've never heard of. Or, or you can just ogle Brandon Peary once a day, every single day, and think, 
what if what if he was actually as good as his stats say that he is yeah. and pay, pay the man pay, as you pay. mentioned the other week yes as you mentioned the other week with Cap Friendly and how has nobody kind of snapped them up and just said well you work for us now how has nobody snapped up Michael McCurdy and said here's hundreds of thousands of pounds a year just produce data on the entire league for us like you already do and we can I- use it to make our team really good what, his plan to be paid what was it one million dollars one million dollars a year to say no five times yeah. it's gonna happen yeah. one day, isn't it? it's got to it's absolutely got to I feel if the Rangers had seen that Truba data they would have gone oh hang on a minute actually never mind <laughs> we'll uh, do something else instead <laughs> like give Kevin Schoenkirk a raise <laughs> yeah maybe alright there we go take care folks we'll see you later peace peace